You're listening to Branch Out by Sycamore. It's definitely been a labor of love, per se. And that's one thing about entrepreneurship. It helps, not that it's required, but it helps to really have a passion for what it is you want to kind of pursue because it will give you that motivation when it seems like, you know, <laughs> it's like the worst thing we're doing because of the difficulty or the money requirements or other time requirements. And a, lot, a lot of, you know, um, things you have to sacrifice to really make some of these businesses work. I'm Larson Hicks, CEO of Sycamore, and welcome to Branch Out, where I chat with healthcare professionals about broad-reaching topics like their careers in medicine, hobbies and pursuits outside the hospital, and everything in between. Dr. Arouk, we're excited to have you here, and and really what, what this podcast is about is Sycamore is all about physician independence. We're all about helping physicians... Um, kind of unplug from the matrix and, and become their own independent, um, take, take kind of control of their career. And so we love hearing from physicians who are, are branching out and, and have found ways to take their training in medicine and their, the skills and experience they've developed in, in medicine and, and apply those to other areas. And we hope that, that, uh, this will be, uh, that your story and that our conversation today maybe will inspire some other physicians to do likewise, go out and start their own things. And, uh, because I really do, we really do believe that, you know, physician, um, you know, the healthcare system will be better when there's more independent physicians with greater autonomy. Right. And we also think that, um, <clears throat> that burnout, you know, burnout is, uh, is an, in a lot in large part, uh, a factor of, or a result of people, who are stuck in, you know, the bureaucratic, you know, crazy world of medicine today. And so um, that's why we've got you on the show and why we're excited to hear your story. So, so again, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a part of this. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I appreciate you inviting me. Uh, you know, I definitely, you know, have been, uh, you know, following you guys as well in Sycamore Health. And I think this is an exciting uh, show to be doing to kind of help people see other things that, you know, are possible. Um, you know, in a career, you know, that's even if you're a physician, even though I know myself growing up, you know, um, you know, I kind of always wanted to be a physician and, you know, I definitely love medicine, but I definitely realized that the world is bigger than simply, you know, medicine. So it's not, you know, a bad thing if you're a physician and despite the time you put into it, to consider other avenues to, you know, entertain yourself or even, you know, you know, do, do business, you know, so. Before we get into what you're doing today, where are you from originally? Well, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Um, my, uh, my, my, uh, so I'm, you know, from the South. My, my family was from Nigeria. That's kind of where my name comes from. Uh, I know people always wonder my name's not, didn't sound like a typical American name, but you know, I am, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, born and raised in America. So I've been here for, you know, my whole life. And, um, you know, but I have been also, um, you know, able to travel as well. And, uh, that's kind of what led me to go into medicine because I was, you know, you know, travel a lot to West Africa and I would see a lot of, really, you know, desperate situations of people who didn't have access to healthcare and dying of really, you know, really uh, simple things. And not that it's only happening there, it really happens everywhere. I, I come later to find out for a variety of reasons, but that kind of was what pushed me to really want to learn about health and wellness and really kind of let people know the benefits of, you know, living a healthy lifestyle as well as, you know, minimizing, you know, you know, death and morbidity from unhealthy practices, which is unfortunately not told enough. So, that was kind of the big why I want to do that. <laughs> and that's a and that, that kind of answers another question that I that I, I like to start with in, in our conversations is is, you know, what and you've kind of answered it, but but maybe you can elaborate a little bit. I mean, what do you view 
as the primary focus, calling, purpose of a physician. I think I think every doctor we've had, I don't think we've had a single doctor answer this the same way as another. So I'd love to kind of hear how what your take on uh, what is it? What is it you're doing? You know, what is it physicians are supposed to be doing? I think the physicians are supposed to be essentially a, they should be a source of good health based information as well as knowledge for you know the public to you know access and help them you know improve their health and wellness. I think physicians should be the experts of the human body and uh, not necessarily just kind of an expert in physiology, which is a kind of what, you know, many would argue physicians are today, just looking at chemistries and seeing what medicine to give to treat this and go from there. You know, I think, um, you know, historically that's kind of been the initial, you know, role of a physician, especially go back to even ancient Egypt times where you have, um, you know, some of the great, you know, ancient healers um, like Amenhotep and them. And you, you look at their writings, you see kind of the stuff they were preaching. And it really is not that very, not very different from, Kind of a lot of stuff you hear today because, you know, medicine, the body, human body hasn't really changed for thousands of years. So, you know, good health should be something that, you know, we're now we're going on what almost 2000 years AD, even longer, how long we've been around. So humans have kind of figured out what things are good, what things are bad. And I think now I'm big on kind of understanding that and making sure people understand some of those tried and true methods of, you know, maintaining good health that aren't really stressed enough in addition to all this, obviously, um, mother passions, but yeah. That's great. And why, and why did you pick emergency medicine? How did that happen? Well, honestly, emergency medicine, because, you know, I'm kind of a, um, I don't know. I think I have a little bit of a restless <laughs> syndrome always. So like my mind was racing. So it was the only thing that really kind of appealed to me because I, I never really got bored in a sense. Cause I was always, I couldn't really predict how the day would go. Like even initially my initial passion when I started med school was probably orthopedic surgery. And uh, I initially loved it because I do like sports and I'm a big, you know, I'm an athlete and everything else. But for me, it was more so the monotony, you know, going to clinic and then going to surgery and just kind of the day to day. And the cases were a little bit different, but not really. So, you know, and I was my fear was that if I did it for a while, I'll probably get bored despite, you know, if I can make a fortune or not. So I was all about things that would appeal to my kind of interest and that keep me, you know, engaged, you know, despite the length of time. And I've been doing ER for about 15 years now. And, uh, you know, I'm still every day still, <laughs> you can't predict what's happened. So, and that definitely appeals to me. And I know some people actually don't like it for that very reason. But for me, that was probably a big thing that, you know, made me want to pursue it and do that. I think there's a stereotype that, uh, that, that ER physicians all have attention deficit disorder. <laughs> I think there's definitely truth of that when it comes to me, but I, you know, there are some definitely methodical kind of focused docs who, 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 you know, they just kind of like some other aspects of it. But I think that that was one of the biggest drives for me. Definitely. So I grew up in El Paso, Texas, and I saw that you trained at William Beaumont. My, my wife was yes. born at William Beaumont. Oh, really? That, I mean, that was, that is a great, honestly, a great hospital. I really had, you know, an amazing experience there. I didn't know about it until I went up there for residency, but I mean, just the amount of, um, you know, resources and there's a very engaged staff, very, you know, well, well known in the area. And there's a lot of, you know, histories for the, for ER, you know, um, the ER, um, you know, the entire, you know, foundation of emergency medicine. A lot of the founders went to that program. So I was actually just pleasantly surprised and had a great time there, but I just didn't like the cold in Detroit. So I had to <laughs> come back down to Texas after I was done training there. But, um, but yeah, yeah, that's definitely, uh, you know, my uh, training program. Well, I miss, I miss the Mexican food. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot of family in El Paso anymore, but we, we live in Alabama now. So I, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I just kind of have to, 
have to pack a, a pair of sweatpants, you know, every time I go back home and visit because I know that I'm not going to fit in whatever it was I wore down there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat like seven meals, you know, and they're all going to exactly. have lard in them. <laughs> right. Exactly. But goodness, that's, so good. that's, that's, so that, good. that's part of why it's so good, though. <laughs> that's right. It's like the calories, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> Well, so, okay, so emergency medicine, we talked about this joke that emergency physicians have ADD, but I, I, it's one of the things I have, I totally have ADD. And this is something I love about uh, so many of the emergency physicians that we work with is their minds are always racing. They're always thinking about new things, different things. How do I, how do I approach these problems in a new way and never really content with just kind of going with the flow? And, and I think that lends itself to entrepreneurship. And I know a lot of ER doctors have, uh, ha- have become entrepreneurs. What, what's your story? Have you, have you done anything outside of emergency medicine? Yeah. Yeah. I've done uh, quite a few things. Um, I think one of the big things that, um, I've kind of been also, you know, involved in, I started, you know, many years ago was, uh, I did start, you know, doing some um, things in the cannabis industry. I actually, um, um, went out to uh, California and um, I was working with another colleague of mine who, who set up a, um, a large kind of grow um, retail operation known as Black Star Farms, which is a, one, of the, one of the bigger um, cannabis um, um, grow operations in Southern California. And so, and that's been like a long process, but, you know, that was something that when we started, it was very early. And for me, I was always looking at the new thing and I had, you know, you know, been always been interested in cannabis and how it can be used from a medicinal standpoint. And so a friend of mine who, who's a Chicago MBA, he was, you know, he was very wealthy, but he wanted to start something new. So I decided to, you know, kind of partner with him and, uh, you know, went out to LA and, and started working on getting that business going. And, uh, you know, it's been a long struggle, a lot of uh, ups and downs. And that's the case with entrepreneurship in general. You, you put a lot of sweat equity in, a lot of real equity in. And, uh, you know, thankfully as a physician, you know, I was able to, you know, you know, save money in order to, you know, help contribute and build out some of the, you know, properties that we have now. But, you know, it's definitely been, you know, you know, a labor of love per se. And that's one thing about entrepreneurship. It's like you really, it helps, not that it's required, but it helps to really have a passion for what it is you want to kind of pursue because it will give you that motivation when it seems like, you know, <laughs> it's like the worst thing we do it because of the difficulty or the money requirements or other time requirements. And a lot, a lot of, you know, um, things you have to sacrifice to really make some of these businesses work. So I know, I know cannabis and CBD and a lot of that stuff is just seems like it's, it's going crazy in the country right now. I was at a, um, at a, <clears throat> I think it was a, it was in Washington. I was at the Washington ASAP chapter meeting. Um, this is probably the end of 2018, fall 2018. And, and I believe there was a, a CME about, about uh, cannabis and, uh, or maybe this was another, another, well, you know, I used to go to a, it's been SA used to, cause it's just been since all of 22, I hadn't been to a single, a single event. Right. But, but I used to go to a lot of these, you know, association of emergency medicine and, and ASAP and, and, uh, SAEM and all those different shows. But I remember seeing some presentations about, um, about cannabis and about the whole cannabinoid. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that system. Yeah, yeah. Cannabinoid. Yes. Cannabinoid system. So tell, tell me about that. And is that, is that kind of what you guys are trying to, to impact? Yeah. That's kind of like, you know, partner kind of why I was you know, able to kind of help with the, with the business as far as, you know, cause my whole concern was, you know, there's a lot of medicinal benefits of cannabis and, uh, 
you know, it's not one, it's not, enough, it's not focused enough. You know, I know when I was in med school, we didn't, we learned almost nothing, just harmful drug, blah, blah, blah. but the funny thing is if you read the actual the toxicologic emergencies, I never forget that. I was a residency. I read that book from back to front and especially the drugs. Cause I was always interested in like, you know, drugs and how they work and poisons and everything else. And, um, with cannabis, even that book states that, you know, essentially there's no harm in excessive or long-term use of cannabis. So I was like, it's interesting. The book is actually, you know, telling us the side. This is back in like, I would say what early 2000s. So I was always, you know, curious, not that then, then, you know, I was just more of a, just a, from an academic standpoint, but after red scene, actually working with patients, actually when I start seeing some of the beneficial benefits of it, as far as uh, I knew patients who were on medication, strong narcotics and so forth, and were able to wean themselves off. And this is when I, uh, you know, was, uh, in, in Michigan and also did some work out in LA and in California. And, uh, you know, even in, um, in Texas, there were some patients who I was able to run into. So that was actually what kind of piqued my interest from a curiosity standpoint and kind of, you know, with the uh, with the upcoming legalization movement, you know, the opportunity to kind of educate myself. So I've been just big on just kind of a lot of self study, reading, and various literature, going to conferences, and you know, and it's very complex. Those people don't understand, but I think for the for 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 physicians, I mean, the main thing is that a lot of patients are really you know demanding or you know re, you know really wanting to consider it as far as their treatment profile. So I think it behooves physicians to really be familiar with it so they can understand how to educate their patients, regardless of they want to prescribe it or not, just because, you know, it's becoming a very effective alternative for a lot of other, you know, medications that, you know, have been used and especially with the ongoing opiate crisis and a lot of people dying and a lot of people are more concerned about opiate use like they never have been before. And I know in states like where it's legal, like California and like Colorado, you know, there's a large, you know, movement in those areas and to, you know, incorporate cannabis use more so in their treatment. And so that was my kind of big concern is like, how can we as a company make sure we're creating products that are safe for medicinal use? And, you know, what strains can we focus on that are going to be more effective, more requested? And that's kind of, you know, how I was able to help. And, you know, growing methods, making sure we focus on growing methods that are safe, that can provide, um, you know, clean medication for patients, not necessarily you know, certain growing methods are very toxic and, you know, because based on yields, outputs. And so it's a lot of things you have to consider. So, you know, that was kind of my um, kind of, you know, main kind of contribution. And overall, you know, you know, I'm, I'm also big on, you know, like direct clinical practices. And, you know, I was also, you know, interested in doing that on a you know personal level, which I've kind of already started, but we're, I'm going to do a bigger kind of version of that very soon. Because there's, you know, there's a lot of demand for patients looking for alternative, you know, ways to approach their health. And, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, I think physicians are probably interested in doing it as well, but a lot of them just are not, you know, sure when it comes to legal issues. And that's kind of a big kind of factor to prevent a lot of physicians from getting into it because can't really do anything illegal as a physician if you want to keep your license. Yeah, so, right. No, no, totally. <clears throat> yeah, you guys you have know, always... It's a big thing, but... Right. Have to keep, keep a close eye on, on, um, you know, making sure you don't do anything to jeopardize your medical license. Um, what, what, uh, as cannabis is becoming, I mean, you're, you're not, you're in Texas, right? So you're not really in a state where recreational use of can cannabis has become legal, um, yet. Right. But, but I know that. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say here, um, the, the ones that are, you can use actually CBD. That is actually legalized here in Texas. That's actually, we have, you can actually get licensed to produce that and sell it if you want. Um, but, um, you know, THC, high THC cannabis is still illegal in the state of Texas. So, um, you know, a lot of people are, um, you know, you know, looking at that and there's a lot of us talking to legislature as far as potentially, uh, you know, modifying that even further. 
but um yeah so but so people are still uh, there's still a lot of uh, you know storage you see a lot of new ones coming up every day it seems like cbd stores this and that so you know there's a lot of demand um in the in out here and uh, i think it's going to continue to grow based on all the projections that we're seeing what are what are the er doctors that you know in states where it is where it has become fully legal for recreational use what what have you seen um what are people in the ER seeing? I mean, I, I, I heard honestly, a, a talk. Go yeah, go ahead. Well, honestly, as far as purely cannabis related issues, honestly, as far as like side effects or, or, or negative outcomes, that's not very common. The main one I'm hearing about is a hyperemesis kind of uh, situation where there's people who are smoking, I guess, either too much or certain strains or affecting them a certain way where they're having these really intractable spells of nausea and vomiting that, are requiring sometimes inpatient hospitalization, but that's fairly rare. And honestly, I've heard of it mainly in some of my colleagues up in the northern in the Bay Area, where they've kind of really had a heavy kind of cannabis population that have been using a strong, uh, you know, movement there. So it's hard to say, but ultimately, I think that um, you know it's very you know little as far as cannabis direct cannabis related issues uh, that I've seen personally, especially in a, in a negative way, like overdose things like that. You, um, you really don't see that. Um, even violence, you don't really see. Like, it's funny how when alcohol, you know, the times when the alcohol people come in, because there's always like car accidents and fights and everything else after like 10 p.m. So, but you don't see that though, with like, you know, like in those areas where cannabis times where cannabis smoke really leads to this and that. Like, so it's just, it's funny how, how, um, how, how that works out. But, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I, I've really not noticed too many, like, you know, dramatic differences, if not probably decrease in certain things that I probably haven't seen because they don't come to the ER because they're, you know, you know. I heard a doctor, I heard an ER doctor talking about, um, how this hasn't hit literature yet, but he's starting to ask when somebody's got, um, when somebody's presenting, um, heart disease risk factors, he's starting to ask about their cannabis use because it, it seems that uh, anecdotally, maybe, maybe this, uh, this won't hold up under closer scrutiny, but it seems like anecdotally chronic cannabis use may, may play a factor, uh, in, in, you know, in maybe amplifying or, or in some way, you know, uh, affecting heart health potentially if, if, if you've got other risk factors, I'm not sure. I, I haven't read the literature. It just, I heard a doctor talking about that at one of these conferences once. Yeah. I've, Have I've you heard anything heard about that. that? I've never heard of any link between heart disease or, you know, and, uh, you know, cannabis use per se. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, one thing I do know about cannabis is it has a very, you know, high antioxidant profile. So I would think theoretically that should help reduce, you know, um, heart disease. Exactly. So, but I don't know of any literature that would, you know, that says either way. So, you know, for me, it's more, and that's the problem. I think more research has to be done and, you know, hopefully with the legalization efforts, they can actually do real research and do randomized controlled trials and really get to the bottom of it because that's part of the problem. You know, this, this really been hampered as far as research. And it's all just guesswork, and you know this is. But you know, certain countries are, are starting that. I, I know Israel is pretty big, and that's really the source of a lot of research now. Is uh, you know based out of you know Israel. A lot of the universities there are big into it. So um, let's see. Hopefully, like I said, that will change as we as we move forward. We can get real data. That's awesome. So cannabis. What what other? It's, it, it sounds like you've got a lot of other things going on. So 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 you've got the. Uh, the cannabis business out in, in uh, California that you've been a part of, what, what else are you, you doing outside of your, your nine to five? Also, well, I'm, I'm also big into like a media and uh, entertainment. I have, um, I have a, I have a health and wellness TV show that I do, um, for a, um, um, internet, uh, TV network. It was Afro vibes television. So, you know, that's a basically large international, um, 
television network is, you know, based around, based on African and Caribbean entertainment and culture. Um, but I come and do like a weekly show, health show, just kind of talking about health and wellness, educating people on some of the different health issues of the day. Obviously, COVID has been a big thing. So we've been talking about that fairly regularly, letting people know about kind of the COVID crisis and what's going on as well as the vaccine controversy, trying to basically help dispel myths and really kind of bring good information to people so they can kind of educate themselves and educate others. And we try to make it very easy to digest so anyone can listen to it and kind of get an idea what to, what's going on versus, you know, some of the overly, you know, um, you know, kind of what's the, what's the word kind of, you know, some of the, some of the, some of the medical based kind of shows can be a little bit, you know, they can politicize definitely, but just more, they can almost talk over the heads of the, of the audience. So I try to keep it very, you know, easy to access to so where the goats can get it. I think that's a popular saying they should say. That's great. So that's kind of the focus and that's the health and wellness connection. So, you know, that's been a big, um, you know, I've been doing that for a while, a few years now. And, uh, it actually started cause I, uh, I wrote a book initially. That's kind of what started my whole health and wellness journey was I wrote a book called next level weight loss 2.0. It was a, uh, basically the book designed to help people lose weight with um, apps and uh, this is early, like mid, to, what was it, 2014 or 2013, I want to say, but designed to help people use their phones to download apps and use those to help monitor their calories so they can help themselves lose weight and train themselves to educate themselves on what they were eating and, you know, get their, you know, exercise regimen and everything else in line. And it was, uh, you know, kind of the first thing I, I really kind of, first time I really started really studying kind of. The, you know, the health and wellness and what we actually are doing as far as nutrition and exercise and really, you know, really under, um, you know, um, kind of stating the, the, the real importance of that to the, to the patients and helping them. And, you know, I work with a lot of clients, you know, famous and even, you know, non-famous since then. And, you know, I was able to see kind of, you know, the direct benefits of working with folks and, uh, seeing them transitions from like, you know, where they were to where they wanted to be and, and see the, the immediate change in their life as a result. So, you know, that's kind of really kept me motivated as far as letting people know what's going on. And, and that's, you know, kind of why I've been, um, you know, I'm still doing it. And, uh, ultimately I think I'm, uh, probably end up doing that full time very soon based on, you know, how everything's really, going. yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's mostly like, that's consulting, consulting yeah. individuals. Yeah. yeah. Consulting uh, and with, do like kind of to health and yeah, exactly. like preventive health, you know, and educate people on, uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm actually about to launch my, uh, my, my full virtual practice is called, it's going to, well, it's basically called health, health is wealth, um, wellness clinic. So it's a, uh, basically we're doing essentially, um, uh, kind of alternative healthcare as far as more so focused on nutrition, you know, mental health, um, help as well as working with dietitians to help craft meal plans and, you know, giving people just kind of encouragement as well as advice on restructuring their life to help them you know, lose weight or you know, gain weight or, you know, do, you know, you know, you know, just basically improve their health. And, you know, it's going to be more of a consulting service. So we're, you know, hoping that's going to be a, a nice way to do it regularly versus, you know, the way I'm doing it now is more so when I can. And is that something that is, did that just kind of like, um, organically grow out of you writing this book and just the, the conversations that grew out of that? Yeah, but pretty much so. Yeah. From between that and the TV show, you know, I have a lot of people constantly ask me about different questions and ways they can be helped. And, you know, current, currently, you know, I, I have a small patient base right now that I just work with just on a private level, but, um, you know, we're going to probably set up a, a nice, uh, um, you know, clinic and just do a full kind of consultation and do it, you know, officially and then ideally, you know, 
we can have that in a situation where we can you know, work with clients directly and then do more, you know, in-depth treatment plans or whatnot with people. And, uh, you know, yeah, so it's, it's like a work in progress, but I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, you know, excited and, uh, you know, I am as well. And we're going to hopefully get it to, you know, serve the public like we intended. So that's awesome. Yeah. Was that something that was in your mind when you first started doing the, the radio and television and the book? Like, were you thinking this maybe what might turn into that? Or was it kind of a you happy accident? Not, not really. Like, honestly, I was just, for the started at first with the book and then I wanted to do the podcast. I started with a podcast to kind of promote the book and just kind of also just, because people always ask me, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, this? So I was like, no, let me just record it <laughs> so I can just let people, hey, check it out. And, uh, you know, it kind of helped, you know, so I wanted to repeat myself over and over again. <laughs> but That's right. ultimately, it was something that I actually, you know, enjoyed doing. And uh, I just felt that, uh, you know, it was a good way to get folks to kind of, you know, at least hear something that, you know, from an educated individual, especially when it comes to health. That's one thing I feel that at least really all physicians can really talk with authority when it comes to health now. That doesn't mean that every physician doesn't, doesn't, never makes mistakes, but I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, we should feel confident in really talking about because most people have a very limited understanding of health because they learn it from movies and, you know, biased sources here and there. So there's very few unbiased kind of true kind of sources telling people information that without any kind of benefit either way. So that's one thing that we will hope to provide. You're right. I mean, it's like there's so many voices out there. There's so many experts and, and, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's not really a matter of if somebody's going to get information about their health. It's just a matter of who they're going to get it from and, and whether or not it's, it's legit. So I think, you know, more and more, you know, physicians who, who get out there and are, are, are actually speaking the truth and educating people better is the better. That's awesome. What about heavy rain entertainment? Is that, is that another, is that something you're also doing still? That is, that's my, that is my, uh, I have a, like a music entertainment label. I actually do uh, music and, uh, produce artists and whatnot. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm actually big, um, I'm big into the, in the Afrobeat genre. That's actually where, um, that's also part of the Afrobeat television as well. Why, why I'm also affiliated with them is we, we work with a lot of music, um, artists and, uh, entertainers and, uh, um, you know, with Heavy Rain Entertainment, which is my music label, we actually, you know, work with artists, produce music and kind of, uh, put them out there. We've had, you know, we have a current artist now. Her name is Foreign Slim. She's, you know, very, uh, very big, um, out here in Houston. And she's, you know, we're, we've been touring. We went to camp back to New York actually last week doing, uh, shows up there. So, um, you know, for me, that's more so because I'm, a, like I said, I'm a huge music fan. I've been into music since I can remember. I probably would have not done medicine. If I hadn't do, if I had not done medicine, I probably would have went into like music production or something. Cause I'm, I've been a music head for such a long time. And, uh, even that's funny. Like, uh, it was actually like, you know, when I was in med school, I never forget, like I would listen to albums as constantly during my study time. And I was, now everyone else was doing Adderall. And I regret that. I should have been doing Adderall too. <laughs> but I used to listen to music, <laughs> music. And like, literally I could be in a trance and be an hour just studying. If I had a certain song playing or a certain style of music. So I realized it was very good at controlling kind of my thought process and how, you know, if I want to calm down, if I want to amp up, if I want to get energized. I love it. I want to dive into this because I, so, so yeah, m- music is totally a spiritual language, right? I mean, it's like for, for me, it's like in the, in the Bible, you've got, um, yeah, King, King, uh, Saul is having these fits of rage and, and they bring David in to play a harp, which, which, which basically completely stops these, these fits of rage. 
Um, and I totally, I, so I started in, in college, a radio show, um, that ended up becoming sort of a record label for a little while, but I ended up doing a lot of concert promotion and I called it stereopathic music. And the idea was like, kind of like homeopathic, but it was like, we're going to prescribe the music you need, you know? And so this idea, uh, that you're talking about of instead of using Adderall to study, like you just need a playlist. So my computer has like thousands of playlists because I'm, I'm obsessed with playlists. So like I've got my productivity playlist. I, I'm interested to know what's on Dr. Rook's study playlist. Like what do you like? What What's going to get you into the trance best to study? You know what? It's funny. Like honestly now, because more if I'm studying, it's funny. I have a, I, I like really cool kind of chill music, like big, big genres called, um, it's called, what's called chill. Um, it's like chill pop or chill. It's got, it's like a basic chill hip hop music. Um, I like that for relaxing. Also, I like certain actually, you know, um, you know, of course, classical music is, that's the classic, obviously, like Mozart and those things. And I'll do that just to kind of, you know, kind of keep my, uh, classical music chops where it needs to be. But I actually, I'm a big fan though of, of soundtracks of different video games and movies too that I actually, I'm a big fan. Big one actually it sounds crazy, but. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> the soundtrack for that, fantastic. And there's a lot, and that, it's all again classical style music, but I'm a big fan of like, you know, you know, strings and harps, especially when it comes to relaxing, studying, but also synths and, uh, you know, I think Kanye West, um, 808 Heartbreaks, another big, that's, that's probably, that was one album that probably got me through med school. <laughs> cause, cause those kind of vibes, that was always helpful. So for me, I'm, I'm, I, I like all kinds of music, but, I think, you know, it's all about, you know, how it hits me, the frequency of the, of the, of the, of the, of the various um, uh, songs and, uh, you know, how it affects me. I think that plays a big role. But for chill, definitely um, big on the chill hip hop. I think music, music the most. So, so like I'm thinking when I think chill hip hop, I'm thinking like, uh, like today was a good day. Uh, uh, Not that like, exactly. That's cool. That's, but there's, there's, um, there's a good YouTube channel called, um, it's called, what's it called? I think it's called, is it Chilled Cow? What is it? Oh, man. I, I can say the link, but there's a, there's a great, it's almost like trance music, but it has like a hip hop bass beat behind it. They're well known now. A lot of people call them out as one of their favorite YouTube channels. It's, it's Chilled Cow. Yeah, they call, it's called Lo Fi Hip Hop. That's actually one of the, here, I'll just play a little bit just so you can hear it. What I mean. Nothing too, um, Another two kind of crazy. Not even using those no words. It's just more just a beat. And it's kind of a great kind of a... It's great study music, actually. I would let people use this to study. No, I dig that. I totally dig that. Um, yes. It's kind of atmospheric. Exactly. So if you want to like relax, you know, read something, you know, it's a good little, you know, so I, I, I use music like this a lot, you know, to kind of relax now. Now on the flip side, if you want to get like really apt and, and real, what we call down here in the South, we call it getting crunk, which is <laughs> means get more, get more, get more amped up. Then, you know, of course, I'm a big kind of Afrobeat. There's very upbeat music. And then, you know, also you want to go old school. Actually, like a lot of 80s music is also you know, great, like 80s pop. When you say Afrobeat, like I think mm-hmm. of like Fila Kuti or. or Fila Kuti uh, is like classic Afrobeat. That's like the traditional 70s. But there's a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of, there's a huge movement now in Afrobeat genres where it's a, almost like one of the fastest growing kind of 
uh, music genres. And uh, one of the probably the, the biggest artists, which is, um, you know, I would say right now is probably uh, Burner Boy, who has like a, you know, a very popular kind of sound that's really been a, you know, taking a lot of uh, people by uh, surprise. Um, I can play a little bit of that too if you want. Here's here's probably his, uh, his, his latest uh, single that's really popular now. So it's a. So most of it's like really up tempo, kind of nice kind of vibe. Um, and it's a, you know, very, you know, big genre, especially out here in the South and in Africa, but really all over the globe. It's really big everywhere. I mean, we were looking at demographics because with the, I mean, so yeah. So yeah, so with the, uh, like I said, the good thing is that with, with, with my, um, with the TV station, we actually actually see who's watching, who's consuming, and it's really crazy the breadth of cultures from Asia, Africa, South America, America, obviously. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's a big genre, and we have a lot of, uh, you know, folks coming in, um, from other countries to, you know, check out what's going on, especially down here in Houston, which is a big hub for it as well. So, and that kind of led to why I even got into it because, you know, it was just all around me, especially in the, doing the, uh, TV and radio. We see a lot of artists, a lot of musicians. We see a lot of, uh, you know, producers and, you know, photographers, video guys. It becomes like a whole community. And then you start talking, networking, collaborating before you know it, <laughs> you're working on a project. So that's kind of <laughs> how some of these things really develop, just kind of hanging out. And before you know it, you start brainstorming the next thing you got something you're working on so yeah that's, that's really so is it. that is that how the uh is that how the music specifically the music um the work that you're doing with your record label heavy rain entertainment is that how that all came about it was sort of a, another happy sort of byproduct of the kind of sort of yeah <laughs> kind of sort of just meeting people relationships before you know it they try to work on some things and you kind of do some just as a kind of an initial project you work on one song and then it's kind of a fun process and you get some good stuff out of it. People are excited. You get people encouraging you to do more. And before you know, you got an album out, and then you got another album out. So it's just, but for me, it's more so, like I said, a labor of love. I think a lot of things is, uh, you know, and through that, I've made a lot of new connections. And before you know it, you know, I may get into a whole other industry that's not related just because of, you know, work we've done. So, and that's one of the biggest things that even I would tell any entrepreneur, like you never know, like, you know, how things will play out when you start, because like I said, that passion is so important because if you're not really passionate for it, if you're not making money immediately, you may get, you know, frustrated or may get bored. Um, but, um, you know, in my situation, it's kind of worked out, you know, fairly well. I mean, not that, you know, I still got a lot of work to do and I think we're still kind of got things to do, but you know, a lot of great feedback and, uh, you know, things are looking that, you know, definitely very, very bright. So we're trying to, you know, keep pushing and, uh, kind of see where we can take it. So with uh, <clears throat> with the music side, is that um, is that when you talk about producing records? I mean, is it is it is are you are you publishing and and marketing the music, or are you are you kind of more a um, kind of a financial partner for the for the artist and 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 like management for the artist? Like, what what's kind of the role? Because you talked about going on tour even um, with with uh with an artist so what what's kind of the what role are you playing the answer to that is yes <laughs> meaning all those roles <laughs> like, yes okay management to financial to you know uh, you know kind of you know mentoring to uh actually producing but the thing about it, it's not me alone though I, you know it, obviously um, in my situation i'm kind of the, the label head so essentially when it comes to any of it the financiers and one who has to control everything is you're actually the one you know paying people to do to do work but you know, there's still a lot of work involved that, you know, I actually have a lot of people who help a lot of other, 
you know, the other managers that we work with and, you know, booking agents and uh, producers and everything else. And honestly, my thing is emotional coordinating everything and making sure we're heading toward where we need to head toward. If it's like finishing a project by the state, let's make sure everyone's on the same page and move it, making, you know, connecting the dots essentially, as well as, you know, you know, spearheading different ideas and, you know, encouraging artists to, you know, you know, do something and uh, get something kind of, you know, collated. So it's, it's just more of a, you know, managing a lot of moving parts and, um, you know, filling in those gaps when they arise, they say photographer doesn't show up, I can take over and start taking pictures or so on, you know, things like that, you know, the, you know, so the bodyguard doesn't <laughs> show up, I can help defend, you know, so it's more, and that's the thing about a lot of these in any project really ultimately comes to a, a team and having a strong team of people, um, to help, you know, kind of realize whatever goal you're trying to achieve because, never know what could happen. You know, you always plan for something and all these things, when you're actually going on the journey, a lot of things occur that you really can't plan for. So it's something that a team can help kind of, you know, manage some of those issues as they arise. Well, to bring it back to medicine, I mean, I, I think that if, if you're a physician and you're listening to this and you're, you're thinking about branching out, doing something different, I think the encouraging thing about what you just said is, or at least what I heard is, is the skills that it takes to, to go out and start a record label, to go out and start a podcast or, or, or do television, you know, there's, if you're able to be a problem solver, you know, to basically be presented with a new problem and think on your feet. And it also sounds like leadership. If you're able to be somebody that, that plays well with others and can lead, um, then, then all of those and, 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 and uh, ideally, if you've been through medical training, if you've if you've put 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 in the hours and the training to be a, a, a board certified emergency physician, you should have those skills in spades, right? And so, yeah, how tell me about that? I mean, how do, how do you feel like those things have translated into all these other ventures? Oh no, absolutely. I think I think that's one of the main skills that physicians we're really trained to really master. That is person to person interaction. Uh, learn how to problem solve, think on your feet, like you said, especially in emergency medicine. I mean, that's almost the nature of the beast, like how to think under pressure. But you realize that when you're trying to save someone's life as they're expiring in front of you, you can do that and do it well. A few other situations kind of frazzle you. I don't care what's going on. As soon as that life and death, you can kind of get most out of most situations. You can kind of figure it out. Okay, let's think about it. Because you kind of learn how to think under pressure. And I think that's a very valuable skill that not really talked about enough amongst, uh, you know, kind of our skill set. And uh, honestly, that along with, you know, learn how to talk with people. And that's another thing about emergency medicine specifically is that you see so many different people. You may treat the president of one country one day, then you'll treat, you know, five homeless people the next next patient. And you're so used to talking to every kind of group of people. You learn how to, you know, you know talk people down, you know, or, or really interrogate people, how to really, you know, interact with people. And I think that's a really valuable skill because it really allows you to, you know, like I said, work with others and, manage other people, you know, manage expectations, trying to, you know, basically encourage teams to kind of, you know, work a certain way or, or be more efficient or whatever. So I think the people skills and leadership skills are something that I think physicians definitely can use and translate that into other industries to help them, um, you know, you know, you know, do, you know, do, do great things. So absolutely. Well, I think, you know, this is the theme that comes up a lot on our show is, is I think there's this, there's this, this move in, in medicine, but really in all industries towards specialization, just more and more specialization and everyone's a cog and a machine and, and your specialization, your focus gets narrower and narrower. 
and uh, and I think it's a bad thing, uh, generally speaking. It's bad for humanity. It's bad for people. Um, but but this is a big part of it. And 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 one of the cool things though about being an a, an emergency medicine physician, for example, is just like you said, you guys have you guys have more experience with making very complicated decisions under a lot of stress with a crazy wide variety of social, economic, cultural, you know, um, uh, backgrounds with the people that you're working with. And, and you look at the world around us and it's like, you know, the world, if you have those skills, the world is your oyster. I mean, cause there are so few people that have the ability to think on their feet and solve problems. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I think it's, it, it should be, if you're a physician listening to this, you should be encouraged that, that you really do have, even though you, you may think that your training is really only relevant to what happens in the emergency room, um, it absolutely translates to a absolutely. ton of other things. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. That's really cool. So, so what do you think is going to be next? Like, what do you think are going to be the next big adventures for Dr. Arouk? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, I'm a big traveler, so uh, that, that could be something I made up going to uh, like uh, another country doing some work, uh, you know, out there. I've been, you know, you know, getting some different interesting, uh, you know, offers from different um, different uh, groups, especially in, from both cannabis and healthcare and even music um, to do some work, especially in West Africa, Kenya, you know, South Africa. So I'm definitely going to be probably be on the road, especially in the African continent and the European continent, definitely, um, you know, for a variety of reasons. But, um, you know, and also, you know, getting um, the uh, consultancy going and, you know, you know, and developing that. And of course, I'll still be in the ER. And that's one thing about the emergency, med- emergency medicine. I don't know. <laughs> those I talk about emergency medicine. That is my field. So that's kind of the, what I know the most about. But, you know, it's, it's good in the sense that I can still do that. A lot of times I still work, you know, as much or little as I need to um, in the ER. So I definitely appreciate that aspect of it, you know. And uh, But one thing I will say is that because, you know, there's a lot of situations where you, you meet patients, where patients want to see you or you want to see them, and it becomes an issue, you know, I think um, – you know, it can be helpful as well for even emergency physicians to consider also doing, um, you know, clinical practice if they want to kind of maintain relationships and maybe develop some more kind of long-term care. That's one thing that is probably lacking in that in the ER is the lack of kind of follow-up and kind of, you know, long-term care. Cause that could be also a great you know, source of information for, for uh, you know, healthcare and everything else. Totally. So how have you, how have you been able to balance the two? Is Has, has emergency medicine... Are you uh, currently full-time salaried or, or however it's structured, but are you full-time or have you kind of set yourself up to where you're, you're operating in a more per diem? I'm part-time, you know, and uh, so I work part-time uh, 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 work and I try to do that, you know, regularly, but I do work part-time. So um, that allows me a lot of, and also... Is it at just one facility or you, do you do more like locum tenants kind of work? Yeah, I do more like locum tenants. Exactly. So I'm doing more locum tenants at a, at a few facilities, you know, that's kind of where I privileges that, but you know, my schedule will flux based on my availability. So that's kind of how I've been doing it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, you know, so Sycamore is a, is essentially an alternative to locum tenants. Our whole, our whole model is like, we've tried to build a model where instead of working for the locums company, you're actually contracting directly with the hospital. And so our, the vision is we want to basically empower doctors to sort of be their own independent locums company almost like they're basically operating on their own. We're just a partner. 
that helps you go put those deals together and find those opportunities. Um, and so it's, it's more of like a transparent, you know, business partnership versus a, your traditional locums model. But, but the idea, um, is that, you know, locums can, can give you this freedom and this flexibility to, you know, to have a schedule that, that, that you're able to have greater control of and, um, move things around as you need to, if you're traveling or you're starting a business and you can scale up or scale down, but you can keep, you know, keep bringing in money, um, which, which obviously is important. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely is important. <laughs> well, this has been a ton of fun, sir. I, did, did we miss any important topics that we were, you were hoping we get to talk to today? Um, not at this point. No, actually, I think we hit all the, all the major ones. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, excited for the future and uh you know hopefully you know we're gonna do a lot of work as well with uh you guys at sycamore but um you know i'm i'm um you know i'm just i'm just happy that uh you know i was able to continue uh breathing in and uh <laughs> just living like i've been doing so i have you know i'm definitely uh someone who's feel like i'm blessed so i just you know thank uh thank uh you know, the lord above for our, you know allowing me to continue pushing along so you know absolutely so if people want to follow you on the internet, um, you've got Afro vibe. How, how, how where, where should we point people? Where all the, I would say, um, if, you, if you're on, I'm on social media. So on, on, you can follow me at, uh, Dr. Barry MD on Instagram. Um, D R B A R R Y M D. Um, you can also follow my uh, record label, um, heavy rain entertainment. That's a heavy rain E N T. Um, that's also on Instagram. And, uh, also, uh, for my Facebook, uh, we have the list where the weight loss page where we, um, you know, put a lot of information regarding health and wellness and, uh, the show as well. That's a uh, www.facebook.com backslash next level weight loss. That's all one word. And then, um, of course, you know, like I said, I have also the, uh, my TV show, which is on Afro vibes television. That actually is a app. You can download on your phone via Google play, Android. We also have a Roku channel app as well as a, um, uh, Fire TV app. So if you have Fire TV Roku at the house, you can download this television, download the Afro Vibes television app, and you can actually stream. It's completely free, um, 24 hours of Afrobeat music, videos, entertainment shows, my health shows on there. A lot of other interesting shows are on there as well. And, uh, so yeah, so if you want to reach me directly though, I have an email as well, old school email at drbarryhealth at gmail.com. So yeah, so I'm, you know, definitely open to, uh, conversing with anybody who's interested in, uh, you know, working together. And uh, that's about it. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. You're going to have to send me links to, I, I wasn't able to, to Google fast enough for the Zelda, um, the Zelda playlist, but I, I want to check that out. And also, uh, and also the chilled cow, lo-fi hip hop stuff. We'll, we'll put links to all that stuff up in our, show notes for the show. Awesome. Awesome. We'll do. We'll send that for you. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. <laughs> well, so fun talking to you, Dr. Rook. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Man. Thanks for reaching out. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much guys. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to branch out a podcast by Sycamore. Be sure to visit sycamore to connect with us, access the show notes and sign up for our newsletter.